Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Welcome home. So glad you're here. My name's Tom. What's yours? Good. Um, good. Couple of announcements. We have some new OPG. OPG stands for Overwhelming Poverty in Gunnison. If you don't have a form, you don't know what that's about, pick one up on your way out. It's a great, wonderful calling. Uh, our uh, Bucky and Daniel back there in the kitchen. Bucky and Daniel. We have Bucky Thornock and Daniel Pennick. Come on out here. We want to praise God for you. They are preparing college lunch. Yeah, yeah, the fear in your eyes need not be there. I checked it out. Um, we now have college students preparing college lunch. Now, uh, while, you know, part of that is beautiful and part of that's a little jacked up. So um, we have an opportunity to serve our college students and bless them. There are two more uh, slots for this semester uh, on the table outside. I ask you to check that out and, and sign up. It's a beautiful thing. Um, for the children may now be dismissed if they haven't already. For our children's church, one of the big transitions, uh, we're going to get into it really quick, but one of the big transitions that we have to go through when we go to two services is have children's church available uh, at both of those. So what we're looking for are, it doesn't matter if, if you're a grandparent, if you're a parent, if you're a college student, what we're looking for people to do is, is be willing to serve one and attend one of those services. And, and we particularly need help with uh, uh, children's church uh, so if you're willing to do that, if God is calling you to do that, it would be a huge blessing, huge help. Uh, you want to see Chris Brueggemann. Now, I know he's here. Uh, he'll be hanging around with Deb, his beautiful wife, back there, and he's eight feet tall. So talk to him. He's easy to find before, uh, before you leave. Okay, great. Um, if you have a Bible, uh, please turn to Acts chapter 14. That's where we are this morning. If you don't have a Bible, there's likely one under one of the seats in front of you. If you're using one of those church Bibles, we're on page 790. 790. If you don't own a Bible, that's yours to keep. Take that home with you. Uh, we want one in every home and every heart. God bless somebody. Um, again, um, here at Bethany, we've been doing a few topical studies throughout the summer and then to kick the school year off. You know, we just did No Normal Life Allowed. But most of the time, we're going through a book of the Bible. And today, I'm very excited because we're going back into our study of Acts. Now, we're going through Acts verse by verse, and we've been in the book of Acts for a year and a half. And, and it's great, but, but well, we're halfway through. Yeah, yeah, so this is great uh, because God has so very much for us and and. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to be back in it. We're going to be, every one of us, let's, let's just make a deal this morning uh, that every single one of us is going to be blessed, okay? Can we, can we agree on that? Okay, so we're going to pound it, and then we're going to explode it, okay? Ready? Get your hands up. Ready? Okay. Everybody gets blessed. We're all on the same page. Good. And uh, I'm very excited because uh, the, the, the topic, the thing we're looking at this morning um, is so exciting. It is so powerful. It has the opportunity, uh, the potential, the, the power to totally transform our lives, our families, our friendships, this valley, the entire world. Um, and in the context of the faith, 
in, in the context of the gospel, in the context of following Jesus, this is at the core. Uh, this is the linchpin. If, if we get this, it will open up worlds of understanding of who Jesus is and everything he wants for us and, and, and in him. And, and if we miss it, um, you can memorize the book. And, and if you miss that, then uh, nothing really fits. Nothing really comes together. And, and so, uh, very important. We're talking about grace. We're talking about grace. Now, grace, just so we're all starting on the same page, is, is love, it's blessing, it's acceptance, it's favor from God that none of us deserve. Okay, it's beautiful. It is at the core of the gospel. It is love and blessing and grace and, and favor and, and love that, that we don't deserve. Grace is like winning God's Powerball. And none of us have earned it. Heck, none of us have even bought a ticket. And you won. How great is that? That's, that's grace. So we're excited about that. Um, I want to uh, summarize where we are right before this scripture, um, we're actually going to pick it up in the last verse of chapter 13. Now, as I began to prepare, uh, you'll see that 13 opens up uh, another beautiful uh, thing. And, and what I ended up with was two messages. So you're going to get 1352 uh, connected with next week's scripture. It fits beautifully. And here it is. Here it is. Here's, here's what's waiting for you. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. That's incredible. That is, that is so beautiful. It's almost indescribable. And, and it's for you. And it's for me. And, and so regardless of all the things we tried to fill ourselves up with in the past that have left us hungry and thirsty and wanting and empty, uh, God Jesus Christ is offering to fill you with himself, with the Holy Spirit, and with joy. And, and, and that's what's waiting for you. So that, we're going to cover that next week, um, but we'll get, on, we'll get on with the passage. But please, it's, it's worth it. It's, it's great. Okay, 14.1. Let me just give you a little bit of a background that leads into this joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, we've been following Jesus' followers. We have Paul and Barnabas. And they've been going through um, countries and, and cities, and they're following Jesus' command, imagine that, to bring his hope and salvation to the ends of the earth. And everywhere they go, almost invariably, the self-righteous, very religious, um, tradition-addicted Jews are opposing them. They're not just opposing them, they're starting rumors, they're giving them the beatdown, they're putting death threats out. They're trying to stone them. They're running them out of town. In the midst of this, they are filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So here we go. We pick it up in verse 14. They're going to another city. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace. 
granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, some sided with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Let's pray and then we'll study. Lord, uh, I ask for your Holy Spirit to rain down and be so thick in this place, Lord, that, that you affect all of us, our thoughts, our, our, our minds, that the power of your word might cut through and, and just do heart surgery on us, Lord. Lord, um, let us hold you forth and let us all see you in all your beauty and all your grace and all your love and, and be transformed. Lord, um, I pray against the evil one that he would not have any sway in this place, that people's eyes would be opened, minds would be freed, hearts would be opened, and Lord, we, we would be changed. And Lord, I uh, confess my sin before you and before my brothers and sisters, and I wish it was not so much. And Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. And uh, Lord, that we would see you and you only for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So you saw 1352. Oh, oh, it is thick with blessing. It's so great. Okay, um, we're going to move on to 14.1. Now at Iconium, Iconium, they, this is Paul and this is Barnabas. This is God's tag team of ambassadors. And what they're doing is bringing Jesus' love to the love-starved. They're bringing Jesus' freedom to those who are in the prison of their own hearts, their own habits, their own addictions. They're bringing Jesus' hope to the depressed. They're bringing Jesus' joy to those who are in despair. And, and it's easy to read the Bible and say, yeah, these are like the pastor types of the Bible. That's their job. Yeah. It's also the job of everybody who's a follower of Jesus Christ. This is what we're to be bringing out because this is the power that he's given us. This is the call that he's given us. This is the blessed life to be, to be vessels, not only recipients, but vessels uh, and, and co-workers with God and with his spirit as we do that. And, and if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're just checking out the faith, that's cool. You're very, very welcome here. But you need to know that these are all the things that God wants to unpack in your heart and in your life. Uh, this morning, as a matter of fact, and, and throughout. So great, they are going through, continuing on verse 1, and they entered into the Jewish synagogue, and they spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Now, when you look at this, it is easy to assume that uh, we're going to get to the grace part, but I, I just have to point out a few things. It's easy to assume that this is because of their great oratorical skill, right? Uh, this is the power of the gospel. This is the power of the gospel, whether you're a good speaker, whether you're not a good speaker. An old preacher once said, you can find a great number of people who could preach the gospel better than me. What you can't find is someone who can preach a better gospel than, a, than I can. The gospel has its own power. 
however we speak it. It's good that we don't speak the same way. We need the language of teachers and long borders and carpenters and medical people and insurance people to speak the truth and the hope and the life of the gospel of Jesus Christ in, in the context and in a language that people could understand it. And here many understood. They spoke it with passion because they'd received it. And many, many believed, and that's what we're believing is happening here. Uh, We see people come to Christ by God's grace all the time. Um, We're moving ahead. Verse 2, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Okay, now we could talk a lot about poisoning minds, but we just came out of no normal thoughts. Our last two weeks were about that. If you'd like to check out the podcast, it talks all about that. One thing I want to connect back is where is the battle going on? They're poisoning what? The minds. The minds. We pointed that out. That's what they're doing. They're poisoning the minds of the brothers. Verse 3. We're Does it seem like I'm running? Yeah, I'm sprinting to verse 3 because it's so great. But they remained a long time with them because they were poisoning their minds. They want to they serve them. They remained a long time speaking boldly for the Lord. And the Lord bore witness to the word of his grace. The word of his grace. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. Um, we're going to do something. You need to wake up a little bit. So I'd like you to sit up straight. We've got a little bit of choreography. I want you to do this with me, okay? You can do it. It just involves this and your voices. Grace is the base. Say it. Grace is the base. No, there's a rhythm to it, okay? Ready? All together now. Grace is the base. Grace is the base. Grace is the base. Now, when I ask you, when I say, are you ready? Let's go. We're going to do that again, okay? Grace is the base for understanding who Jesus is. Grace is the base for understanding who Jesus is. For John, the Gospel of John, uh, in the first chapter, verses 16 and 17, John is talking about the coming of the Lord, Jesus, in the flesh, in Bethlehem, and, and, and on his rescue mission. Here's what he says. And from his, Jesus' fullness, we have all received, what? Grace upon grace, piled up. Grace after grace after grace after grace. And what is this? Undeserved love, acceptance, favor, blessing. Undeserved. For people who don't deserve it. That's us. That's great news. So we've received Grace upon grace for the law, the Old Testament was given through Moses and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He is the source of grace. The law, the Old Testament was to show us that we couldn't live. We couldn't, we couldn't obey this fully. And the word also says you, you disobey in one point, you're guilty of the whole king caboodle. So what's left for people except to ask Lord, have grace, have mercy. Okay, real quick, just so as I use those words, grace and mercy, you don't get them confused. They are two sides of the same coin, okay? Grace is that we get all the beautiful, wonderful stuff that we don't deserve. Mercy is that we don't get the punishment and the wrath that we do deserve, okay? So you see that, that's two sides of the same coin. Grace and mercy, they go together. 
Okay, so what are we looking at? How did he do this? How did he do it? Romans chapter 5 verse 8 tells us, this is one of the great verses about God's grace, Jesus' grace. 5.8, but God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the heartbeat of grace. When you and I were at our absolute worst, Jesus does the absolute best for us. Does the most beautiful thing that anyone could do, that only he could do. That's grace. When we were the most busted, he was the most glorious and good to us. That's grace. So we're going to understand it. We're going to understand it. Now, it's all about grace. Grace, and we, you know the song, Amazing Grace. It's, it's be, been given to people like you and me who on our best days, on our best days, don't come a million miles to deserving it. Now, if grace is the base for understanding Jesus, and grace is so beautiful, why would people like the Jews, like the religious community, why would they reject that? Why would they push against that? Why would people rather try to work and earn and fight and white-knuckle their behavior to try to earn the acceptance of God? Why would they do that? Who wouldn't rather have grace, the free gift of grace, saying, I got you covered? Well, wrecked people who know they're wrecked have never had a problem with grace. It's wrecked people who don't want to admit that they're wrecked. Those are the people who who have a problem with grace. See, um, and you only have two choices, really. You can either be wrecked and know you're wrecked, or you can be wrecked and deny that you're wrecked. And nobody's buying that. I mean, other than you, God's not buying it. None of the rest of us are buying it. When did church not become a place for wrecked people to come and be healed and, and, and forgiven and set free and reconstructed and have transformed hearts? That's what it is. It's not for people who are shiny and scrubbed and know how good they are um, to be reminded of how much uh, they've earned God's favor and God hates all the people who aren't like them. That's not church. That's not church. So, we're, But we're conditioned. Grace is hard for people to accept who have this need to earn everything. You know the guy I'm talking about. You know the guy I'm talking about. Nobody gave me anything. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I, I earned everything I got. I earned my wife. I earned my house. Uh, I earned the double wide that I hunt in. I earned my collection of Rambo knives. I earned uh, the 28 deer heads that are mounted in the master bedroom. Um, I earned it all. And I am not going to take a handout because handouts are for losers. Well, that's great news if you're a loser. And in the, in the big spiritual picture of trying to connect who I am who you are with the holy God. Good news for losers is exactly the book I need to be reading. That's the book we have. That's the book we have. College students, I'm going to ask you, high school students, you can, you can participate here too. This is a, an example of the kind of people who might be offended by the idea of grace. Now, if you have a 3.5, this is going to 
require some brutal honesty, okay? If you have a grade point average of 3.5 or higher, I'd ask you to raise your hand. I know you're out there. Look at this. That's amazing. That's amazing. Okay, put your hands down. Now, be bold. Be courageous. If you're a student and you have a 2.0 or lower, I'd ask you to stand. 2.0 or lower, I'd ask you to stand. Nobody. Nobody. 2.5 or lower. Amen, brother. Thank you, Drew. Now, Andrew, you're, you're the man. Okay. Now, all you, all you heavy studiers, all you great, great getters, here's grace. God is going to come to you, Andrew. He's going to say, I'm giving you a perfect grade point average because I love you, because you're in me, and because you're my boy. I'm going to give that to you. Now, who is likely to be the most offended? Those who study every night, who are working, studying, outlining, quizzing each other, not going out, and you're saying, wait, I earned this A, and Andrew's getting it free. What about me? I earned it. What we don't understand is when Jesus gave him a perfect grade point average, that offer was open to everybody. And he does it great on the 4.0 scale. It's the 4,000,000.0 scale. So the best of us students, okay, that wasn't me, need the same grace that he does. Because he ain't grading on the 4.0 scale. Those are the kinds of people that, got, that have a problem receiving grace. Okay, are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go. Grace is the base. Okay, you're getting a little better. Some of you, we're just going to have to work on this. It's hard. Grace is the base for, for understanding hope. It's understanding hope. And we're doing this in a context of a world that is not based on grace. I mean, it's just not. Um, for instance, you do well at work, you get a raise, right? You do poorly at work, you get a pink slip, right? You, uh, if you're a great athlete, you're first team varsity, right? If you really wished you were a great athlete, but you're a spaz, you either sit the bench or you join the marching band. Now, some of you are scowling at me. Some of you are scowling. First chair trombone right here, baby. How do you think I know? I'm not taking anything against our musicians. Just the people who wish they were athletes. But if music is your thing, you're not, I'm not knocking you. Everything in life seems to be based on performance. If you achieve, you get rewarded. If you fail, you get not. It's different with grace. It's different with Jesus. The word of his grace, it's still up there. The word of his grace, it's wonderful. And you say, well, I get that. I just don't deserve it. Grace is the base for hope. You say, I don't deserve it. You don't know what it, you don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. I've had three, four divorces. I've cheated on tests. I've cheated on people. I've, uh, 
I've thought things. I've had bitter feelings, um, unforgiveness. You can't imagine. I have looked at things that I should never look at. Um, guys, you have given affection to uh, a young woman um, so that you can have her body. Girls, you have given your body so that you could have affection. These are just whatever, whatever it is. And you're thinking, I don't deserve this. I'm disqualified from this. Here's, here's the beauty. You're not. The fact that we know we're unqualified, we're undeserving, puts us right in the position God wants us to be able to pour out grace. Once you think you're deserving of grace, you're not. You have to know you're wrecked. So that very knowledge actually comes from the Holy Spirit to bring us to the point where we can receive the beautiful blessing independent of what we've done, haven't done, failed. It's one, it's, it, it puts us in a position to receive grace. So if you think you're disqualified, you're closer to grace than anybody else. Once you think I deserve it, you're out. So there's great hope in that. Grace is getting what we haven't earned. And here's what we do in religion. Here's, here's what we do. Uh, this isn't Christianity. This is religion. And because we're trying to apply this great hope, this great grace into um, our lives and, and our faith lives, here's what we do. We turn it into a game that I call the checkbox game. Okay, And we make a long list of things that good Christians, I'm not saying you should do this, I'm saying that many of us do this. Make a long list of things that good Christians do. Now, on the other side, we make a list like four times longer of things that good Christians shouldn't do. Now, you get in the business of checking boxes. I do this, do this, do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this. You've heard me say this before. Now, that is so jacked up. That is so against the Bible. Um, so if, if you're focused on, if I do enough good things and avoid enough bad things, God will love me, God will accept me, God will bless me, God will show me favor. And if I don't, he's going to turn his back and my life's going to, just rot. He won't love me. He won't accept me. That is the opposite of grace. So here's why this game is, checkbox game is so dangerous. Either you're good at it or you're bad at it, right? So here's what happens if you're good at the checkbox game, right? You've done a lot of the good things. You've avoided a lot of the bad things. You've checked more boxes. What that does is make you self-righteous and proud. And you get a hardened heart in your effort to try to earn God's favor, you end up farther from him than you otherwise would have been. And you end up looking down on other people that you don't think are as good at the checkbox game as you are. I'm sorry to say this describes a lot of Christians. Now, what if you're not good at the checkbox game? What if you're really bad at it? Well, then this is what happens. You, you see this as another failure, as another bar that you could not chin, as another standard you couldn't measure up to, and so you get dejected because you're also being treated as somebody who's morally and spiritually inferior to the good checkboxers, and so you fall into despair and hopelessness, and you pitch this Jesus thing because it's just another standard you cannot meet. 
So either extreme ends in destruction. And Jesus comes and he says, here's grace. Here's grace for the checkboxers and grace for those who are bad at it. To the checkboxers, he's saying, stop working to try to earn my love. You already have it. You already have it. Let all of the good things that well up in your heart be in appreciation and gratitude for the grace you've received. And if you're bad at checking boxes, I've set you free. I'm going to give you my grade. It's beautiful. Grace is beautiful. And that's what he's done for us on the cross, in our place, for our sins, as our substitute. Because God is not only gracious, he's holy. So all of those offenses need to be punished. And the Bible also says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So what he's saying is somebody has to be punished. It'll be me. I'll take that on myself for your sins and die on the cross. And I'll rise again so that I can give you that life. So he not only does this, grace is so deep, it is so wide. Um, He not only absorbs all of the bad that you and I have ever, will ever, could ever do. If we place our trust in him, if we, if we accept him, if we receive that grace. He not only takes that upon himself, but the Bible says he imputes to us, that's a big word, imputes to us his righteousness, which means not only is the bad stuff on our account wiped away, but all the great stuff that Jesus did is, is credited to our account. So, so, Andrew, when you get to heaven and they, they look up your account and they say, Andrew, you, you, you healed the sick. You, you cured the blind. You, it, it says here that, that you fed 5,000 men and their families with fish sandwiches from a kid's lunchbox. And you calmed the storms and you did all this. How'd you do it? Grace. It's grace. Jesus' grace that not only takes all the bad, it credits you with his righteousness. That's good news. That's good news. Okay, are you ready? We're going to do it again. Ready? Grace is the base. Grace is the base of accepting all people in humility. Um, Because we say, you know, I hear this all the time. I'm basically a good person. I'm I'm basically a good person. Um, And... So what we end up doing is we come into a place like this and whether we're willing to admit it or not, we look around and we say, there are some people here that I am morally and spiritually superior to. Hmm. You're not sitting by those people, okay? Um, And then you say, there are probably some people here who are morally and spiritually superior to me. And I don't like them either. That's not grace. That's not the gospel. We have to, that's nonsense, actually. You know, to say, and, and we see this in, in church a lot, you know. I've uh, been following Jesus since prior to my birth and uh, never took a sip of beer. Well, one time I thought it was apple juice, but I spit it right out. I think some lingered. And I, I missed my quiet time once, but the next day I made it up, had a double long one. And... Uh, but those people who are wrestling with addictions to alcohol and drugs or uh, wrestling with sexuality, homosexuality, listening to that hippity-hoppity music, uh, dyeing their hairs, colors not found in nature, they need to clean up their act 
so that Jesus will love them one day. Complete garbage. We all need grace. That guy from his self-righteousness and all of us from all of our wreckness. And it's there. It's there. Jesus loves you. Jesus offers grace for you. Not some future version of you that you scrub up and fix. And then you can come right here, right now. That's the good news. God said, Jesus said to the religious Jews of his time, look, I know you're working your tails off trying to impress me, trying to get me, although they didn't believe he was God, trying to get God to accept you and love you and and count you as righteous. and, And that's what you do. But prostitutes and tax collectors are getting in before you. Why? Because they know they're wrecked. And you don't. That's grace. That's grace. You ready? You ready? There's low energy out here. Come on, guys. Grace is the base. Yes. To know our own limitations. Let's do this. Let's do this. It's like me calling up LeBron James and Joe Swanson. On the phone. Now, Joe Swanson is the guy in the wheelchair from The Family Guy. I know you can't call up cartoon characters, but go with me on this, okay? So I call up LeBron, as I often do, and I call up Joe Swanson, and I have them over to my house one night because we're going to have this jumping competition. Now, the goal of this jumping competition is to try and touch the moon. So LeBron, right, he's in a little better shape than I am. I think his vertical leap is like what, six feet? Right. Mine is something more like six inches, okay? But Joe Swanson in his wheelchair, his vertical leap, well, he doesn't have a vertical leap. All he can do is drive around in circles in his wheelchair, right? So so LeBron wins, right? I get the silver medal. Thank you. Okay? That was my dismount. Um, And Joe Swanson is the loser, so LeBron and I go out to the Columbine afterward, and we're, and we're having a beer, and we're talking. We're dissing on Joe Swanson for how lame a jumper he is. And then somebody who was there comes over and says, dudes, did you really, did you forget the whole point? The point of the game was try to jump and touch the moon. You're all losers. Ain't nobody touching the moon without a rocket. And ain't nobody getting to God without Jesus' grace. The only, so there's no reason to look down upon us or focus on our ability or our, how high we can jump six feet, six inches, or trying to pop a wheelie in a wheelchair. It doesn't matter where you are. The grace is there for you. There's nobody touching the moon without a rocket. And there's nobody touching the face of God without the grace of Jesus Christ. All of us. All of us. You ready? You ready? Okay. Grace is the base of all human relationships as God desires them to be. The word of his grace they were preaching. I want to I move away from human relationships. Who has a dog? I know there's one outside. It's Adam. Uh, no, Austin's beautiful. Who grew up with a dog? Anybody? So if you either have one or grew up with one, right. Okay, good, good. We have one. Um, dogs are enormously popular. They're called man's best friend, right. And, and one of the things that we see in dogs is a form of 
here, here, here's why I believe that, that we're so drawn to these animals. Um, in, in our case, it's not because of intelligence. Um, it's, you know, you meet her, you'll know. Anyway, it's because we see a form of grace in our pets that we rarely see in people, right? Because your dog is always loving you, right? You fail miserably at school or work. It's like, <laughs> you're still the best thing in the world. You have never gotten this from your dog. I know what you've been thinking today. No face licking for you. We come back after having stranded this dog at the vet for two weeks, a week ago or two, and, and it's like we're the best people in the whole world. You're just going to get loved. It does not matter. It's like the dog doesn't know what a wrecked person you are. And so what do we do? What do we do in response to this kind of love? Do we abuse them more? Hopefully not. God forbid. No. We love them. Why? Because we get a taste of of a kind of grace that we don't often see enough in our marriages, in our friendships, in our families, in our relationships. Grace is the base of all human relationships as God has designed them. And we need to show this grace. It's the base of all relationships within the church. This should be a place where you can say to your friends who are so messed up, they're strung out on meth, they're breaking into places, they're having relationship, it's blowing up all over the place. They're having problems with honesty, they're having problems with faithfulness, they're having problems with discipline or anything. This is where they should come and feel, you know what, I belong here. That's what we want this church to be. There's nobody who's disqualified. Nobody. Jesus ran to those people because they knew they needed his grace. So Quincy and Tommy are in elementary school, and at this point in their lives, they have the spiritual gift of pressing one another's buttons. You know what I'm talking about? They just know how to unwind one another. And one time, Quincy was really, really getting on Tommy. She's four years younger. And I said to Quince, Quince, you know that um, you're not supposed to treat your brother whom you love like that. And, and, and she was uh, trying to become a good Christian, right? So she says, yeah, but Dad, the Bible says um, that we're to do unto others as we want people to do unto us. And I know Tommy believes the Bible. And he was treating me bad. So doesn't that mean he wants me to treat him bad? <laughs> Dad, I was just doing unto him. Oh, using the Bible to justify bad behavior. She's going to be a great Baptist. Okay, well, oh, forgive me, please. There is a person at work who grates your last nerve, who is lazy, expects you to do things for them, treats you badly, puts you down, makes it very difficult. You can either return it in kind or love them extravagantly. Say, they don't deserve it. Exactly! If one of us deserved it, right? You have a friend who is 
who needs to attend Friendship 101, right? You like him or her, however, they're trying very hard to get you not to because they ignore your needs. It's always about them. They're selfish. They don't return your texts. They don't return your calls. But when they need something, they expect it, and they're, and they're, they're, they're just not acting right. You could do one of two things. You can either give them a taste of their own medicine, or you can love them extravagantly. That's grace. That's what we've received from Jesus Christ in marriages. You can either say, I'm going to start acting loving to her when she starts acting loving to me. No. Grace always initiates. Grace always blesses when the person is at their worst. That's grace. That's grace. You can, in marriage, you can take things wrong. You can take things wrong, right? You could choose to do that. Give, grace gives the benefit of the doubt. When he, he says to his wife, honey, would you mind traking out the trash for me? What do you mean by that? Do you mean that I look fat in this dress? Uh, no. No. If there are two ways to take something, take it in the loving way. That's grace. Grace does not say, I'll give them a taste of their own medicine. Grace does not say, uh, two can play at that game. Grace does not say, let's see how they like this, if it was done to them. You can't just show grace to the people who show you grace. That's not grace. Do you understand? You have to find somebody who's undeserving. That's, that's the rub. And, 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 and it's so important in this world. Think about it. As long as we're into reciprocation, as long as we're into revenge, as long as we're into payback, you're going to do this to me, I'm going to do that to you. You're going to cut in line, I'm going to give that back to you. You're going to do this. Grace puts an end to that cycle. Grace. The world is waiting for somebody to extend grace so the cycle can stop. In your dorm, in your apartment, in your family, in our town, in our world. Jesus knew grace was the way to get it to stop. Well, you show this grace and people are going to walk all over you. They'll try to get away with murder. They're going to take advantage of you. You mean in the same way that we've tried to take advantage of Jesus' grace? Yeah. Extend it anyway. Grace is life. And it comes from Jesus Christ. I want to take a look um, one more time with the grace is the base, okay? Just, just indulge me like all you know. Grace is the base of, uh, of receiving Jesus' love. Um, we have to link into grace. There was a woman in Africa when there was a lot of tribal violence and Christians were being persecuted and, and murdered. And she was a widow and her son, uh, who was a teenager, was killed by... Uh, a gang uh, who knew he was a Christian. And, and while the police department was corrupt, there were still some who were faithful to their job and faithful to justice. 
and they found the young man who led the gang who took her son's life and they brought her, him to her door. And because he too was an orphan, he was going to be shut away for life. And as she came to the door, she looked at this young man and they said, this is the young man who was responsible for the murder of your son. And she looked at him and she said, you have no mother and I have no son. I will take you in and love you as my own. And he was a missionary back to his gang friends because he was overwhelmed with grace. When he deserved death, there was grace. When we deserve death, there was grace. Hebrews 4.16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. It's talking about running to Jesus with confidence. That means book it. Let nothing stop you because you know what is there. It's grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Grace offered needs to be received. So here we are. We're at a fork in the road. We're at a fork in the road. The word of his grace was preached in Iconium. It's preached here through the very same truth. And we have people who think, They don't need grace. They can earn it. We have people who think they're disqualified from grace because they don't deserve it, not realizing that that's the very criteria for receiving grace. And we have people who know so well the grace of Jesus, like me, who know that he will always take us back And we've taken advantage of it and treated it as something cheap and used it as a license to sin. Grace may be free to us, but it costs Jesus everything. So we can continue on our own or we can come in joy and humility and repentance and say, Jesus, 